This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Today I am going to be talking about tools for couples. I did a search online for synonyms for tools in the way that I mean it. And uh, I also thought this could be titled Helps for Couples, Weapons for Couples, Advice for Couples, Guidance for Couples, Support for Married Couples. In the past several months, I've had a variation of this conversation several times, and it seemed to me that others might also be encouraged by what I've learned over my years of being married. It's actually been a bit of a surprise to me that I had this conversation sitting around a table, driving in a car, in other settings, but I found myself covering the same ground, and so I thought, well, I think I'll share it with the people who listen to the podcast. So, I'll be talking about tools, helps, weapons, advice, guidance, support for couples. I'll talk about that at length in just a minute. But first, I want to take a quick look at Psalm 144. Uh, Yesterday, I was reading Psalm 144 and started highlighting some things. And the first four verses stood out to me. Now, this is a Psalm of David. And again, when I read these Psalms that he wrote, I think what what a life he had and what a man he was a poet, and a singer, and a dancer, and a king, a very humble king, and a warrior, but also very flawed, and yet a man after God's own heart. So here at the beginning of Psalm 144, well, I'll just read it, and then I'll talk through it a little bit. Praise to the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. O Lord, what is man that you care for him, the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a fleeting shadow. So I'll just talk through some of the things that I highlighted. Verses 1 and 2 talk about the Lord and his character and who he is. And this is Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, our God, the God of David. David begins with praise and he describes God and his character and how he relates to people. And the first thing he says is, Jehovah is a rock. He's immovable. He's strong and he's tough. And Jehovah trains, trains us. David says, he trains my hands for battle, trains my fingers for fighting. Verse 2, David says that Jehovah is loving. He's a rock, and he trains us for battle, and he's loving. And he's a fortress, and a stronghold, and a shield. And he's a deliverer, and he subdues people. He subdues our enemies. Boy, look at that. Our God is a rock, and a fortress, and a refuge, and a shield, and a stronghold. And he trains us. And he's loving, and he's a deliverer, and he subdues our enemies. He does it by his power. Amen. We look at God's character, 
And as I've been reading through the Old Testament, it struck me how often the love of God is mentioned to God's people. God loves his people very much, and it's all through the Old Testament writings. And then in verse 3 of Psalm 144, David turns a little bit and he says, O Lord, what is man that you care for him? What are the characteristics of man? Man is like a breath. His days are like a shadow. God is a rock and a fortress, a stronghold. He's tough, (laughs) and man is like a breath. We are like a shadow. Our days are just like a breath of air. Who is man that God would care for us? There is humility here at the beginning of Psalm 144. God is who God is, and man is just a creature who is passing through this earth like a wisp of air like a shadow that fleetingly passes by. Amen. Let's focus on the Lord because he is eternal. And in him, we find a rock and a refuge. We find a stronghold and a shield, a loving father who trains us to do battle. And now, of course, our battles are not against flesh and blood. They're against spiritual principalities and authorities. And God trains us for those things. As you read through the Psalms or through the scriptures anywhere, look for how God reveals his character and who he is to his people. Let's be careful not to look through the Bible and try to find ourselves there. Let's look through the scriptures and find God and his purposes and the things that he wants us to learn about him and his ways and how we relate to him. Not to speak blessings on ourselves but to speak praise to the Lord, to Jehovah, the rock and the refuge and the fortress and our deliverer. All right, so I want to return now to tools, helps, weapons, advice, guidance, support for couples. In a few recent episodes of the podcast, I've addressed marriage and the family. If you want to go back in the podcast feed to episodes 103 and 106, you can listen there. And as I mentioned, I've recently had some variation of this conversation with engaged couples and married couples, people who had questions about what it is to be married or how to navigate through being married. And what I'm going to share is for couples who are married or are moving toward marriage. A lot of what I will say applies, of course, to all believers. I really want to speak right now to couples who are married and moving toward marriage And if this doesn't apply to you, I still think that it might be helpful because you may know folks that are moving into marriage and could share some of these things with them. It's important, it's very important that a couple not act like they're married until they are married. Intimacy can run ahead of reality. I want to tell you, you're not married until you say, I do, until you have made that vow to be husband and wife, until death parts you. Again, intimacy can run ahead of reality. we got to be very careful about that. Hold your horses. Wait until the wedding ceremony. And I'll start with a reminder, something that I've mentioned in these other podcasts recently. God hates divorce. When you marry, it is until death parts you. What God has joined together, no one should separate. And this applies to everyone, to all people, not just Christian marriages. 
When Jesus and later Paul talk about marriage, they refer to Adam and Eve. They refer to times before the fall, before sin entered the world, before there was a nation of Israel, before there were Christians. It's always been God's plan for one man and one woman to become one flesh until death parts them. And that's what marriage is, two becoming one. I'll talk about that a bit more here in just a second. I want to share some things that have been very, very helpful to me and Olga in our marriage. These are things that are particularly close to my heart. And what I'm going to share is not just theoretical. They're very practical. Each podcast ends with a quote of Jesus that says, Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And we are blessed when we put the Word of God into action when we actually do what he says, when we apply it to our lives. So the first thing that's been very helpful to me is the reality that God sees one person when he looks at a married couple. In Matthew chapter 19 and also in Mark chapter 10, the Lord says this very thing. And I'll read in Matthew 19, starting in verse 3, some Pharisees came to test him and they asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? So, first of all, we need to look at uh, what's going on here. The Pharisees are trying to test him. They were always trying to catch him and show that he wasn't really speaking with authority or didn't know what he was talking about. So they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? That's a yes or a no question, and Jesus doesn't reply yes or no. He says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and that, quote, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh, end quote. Jesus continues, so they are no longer two, but one. And therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. The Pharisees asked about divorce, and there were various ways of thinking about divorce at the time. And I encourage you to go look up David Pawson's teaching on divorce and remarriage. I'll put a link in the show notes to that talk. It's excellent. It really is very helpful. And here's this question about divorce, but it applies to what marriage is. God created male and female and two become one flesh. And therefore, because this is the will of God, people should not separate this man and this woman. Now, a little bit later, the disciples said to him, well, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it's better not to marry. Basically, what Jesus had just said is that you don't get divorced. Once you're married, that's it. At the time, and now, of course, in our time, Divorce is rampant. It's easy to do. There are no-fault divorces, but Jesus here says, do not divorce. And the disciples understood that he was drawing a pretty solid line here. And they said, well, my goodness, if, if that's the situation, we ought not to get married at all. Uh, it's a tough teaching. It's a hard line. It's otherworldly. When we marry, we must remember that two become one. It's a mystery, but I must remember that when the Lord looks at my marriage, he sees one person. 
that translates into action. For us, uh, one thing is how we handle money. We don't have separate bank accounts. Everything belongs to both of us. We're one person. Now, on some legal documents, because I'm a foreigner here in Russia, my wife is listed as the owner of a piece of property. There are some legal things that come up. But in our hearts, we both own everything together. Everything that's mine is my wife's. Everything that is hers is mine. We are one in the sight of God. We don't plan to be two. We are one. So I encourage you, remember that as you're going through a challenging time with your spouse. You're one person. In the eyes of God, you have become one with your spouse. Okay, so now here are two tools or helps, things that have been very, very helpful to me personally. And like I said, I've had this conversation recently with quite a few people. In one case, we were driving up the highway and suddenly turned to this conversation about marriage with one of our friends. And the first thing I want to mention is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. We have some friends, some very good friends in the United States who shared this with me long before I got married. And these are two verses that they, as a married couple, have accepted as uh, foundational verses for their marriage, for their relationship with one another. Now, of course, this applies to relationships in the church, to our relationships with other believers, but particularly within the marriage relationship and the marriage covenant. And Olga and I talked about this as we were in the process of getting married and later after we were married, that this also is something that we embrace as a couple. Ephesians 4 Verses 2 and 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That is a foundation for my marriage. And our friends in America said that they would remind each other of this verse if they began to start fighting or competing or grumbling (laughs) They gave each other permission to remind the other person about Ephesians 4, 2, and 3. A little while ago, I was talking with a bride-to-be, and she was asking for advice. And she asked, how will she know when she and her husband will need a marriage counselor? (laughs) This was before they're married, and she's already thinking, we're going to need a marriage counselor. So how are we going to know when we have to go to a marriage counselor? I had a conversation with another couple who I think have a pretty fiery relationship, Uh, lots of arguments and screaming and yelling. (laughs) I recently heard on the Elizabeth Elliott podcast, which I strongly suggest that you follow the Elizabeth Elliott podcast. She mentioned a letter that she'd received where uh, the lady writing started with, my husband and I are both very strong Christians, but we hate each other. And Elizabeth Elliot said, you probably need to rethink if you really are strong Christians, because the Bible says if we claim to love God, but we hate our neighbor, then we're lying. <laughs> and another time I spoke with a couple who had heard that there are married people who've never had a yelling argument, never screamed at each other, and they couldn't believe it. I told them that Olga and I never had a screaming argument. We never raised our voices with each other. 
Certainly we've had disagreements, but these tools that I'm sharing with you now have helped us to avoid having that kind of strife in the marriage. We are one person, and Ephesians 4, 2, and 3 applies to us. We apply it to ourselves. We shouldn't plan to fail. We should plan to succeed. The path of success is death to self. Remember Ephesians 4, 2 and 3 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If you are humble and gentle, if you are patient and bear with your spouse in love, if you make every effort to keep unity, then you won't need counseling. You won't be yelling at each other. The classic image from American television and movies is throwing plates at each other. If we die to ourselves, if we realize that we're one flesh, if we really are humble and gentle and patient and loving and we fight hard for unity, then we're going to succeed. I'm not saying that we won't have disagreements. Of course, couples have disagreements. You've got to work things out. But don't assume that you're going to yell at each other. Don't assume that you'll fight. Assume that you'll have disagreements, but how to handle that situation when you have a disagreement? That's a question. How do you handle it when you have a disagreement? Well, this leads me to the second thing I want to share that has been very, very helpful to me. Several years before I got married, I was talking to a couple, and they had been doing uh, marriage classes. And if I remember correctly, it was like a 16-week marriage class for couples. They would meet once a week for 16 weeks and cover just all kinds of training and insight into marriage. And they told me that only once in the 10 years that they had been doing that, 16-week classes, 10 years, each one having 5 to 10 couples in this class, only once was there a couple that never got in a heated argument or started raising their voices with each other. (laughs) For everybody else, there was always something that came up where it just really lit a spark. There was just one couple that never raised their voices and never came to the point where they're in a heated argument with one another. And my friends who led the class asked them, how is it that you just don't have that kind of sharp argument with one another? And they said... And this is what's been so helpful to me. They said, when we begin to feel like we're starting to butt heads and fight and have real disagreements and moving towards raising our voices or yelling, one of us or both of us will turn so that we're no longer head to head, but we're shoulder to shoulder. I wish you could see what I'm doing with my hands. I've got two fists that are knocking each other as if head-to-head, and then you turn your hands so that they're shoulder-to-shoulder. They're both facing in the same direction. That imagery helped me so much, and it's helped me so many times in my marriage. And I'm so glad that I heard it before I got married because I had time to think about it and process it and say, yeah, when I get married, that's what I want to do. I want to apply that. Just like Ephesians 4, 2, and 3 This idea of turning and being shoulder to shoulder is so helpful. We are one. My wife and I, we want to be moving together in the kingdom. 
We want to be shoulder to shoulder, moving ahead together. And when we have a disagreement, rather than trying to beat the other person up and win, we turn so that together we can walk through it and figure it out. And over the years, I've realized that these sharp disagreements that we have, often they pass. The intensity of the moment will pass. And then after years, it's no longer an issue at all. And so to avoid the intensity, that explosion of fighting head to head, which is temporary, and turn shoulder to shoulder, which is more permanent in our marriage, that's the way we want to be walking, shoulder to shoulder, moving ahead. Well, if you and your spouse are constantly button heads and rubbing up against each other and having arguments and raising your voices, I encourage you, you, not your spouse, you refuse to do it. You turn and you try to come shoulder to shoulder with your spouse. Just refuse. Don't tell your spouse to do this. You do it. (laughs) It only takes one to turn and say, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to turn because I love you. We are one flesh in the eyes of God. We are one person, and we need to be moving ahead together. And together, we'll figure this out. Together, we'll come to resolution. That is a wonderful encouragement to me. It's been a great help. And it's not theoretical. It's practical. I encourage you, put it into practice. Do it. And as I said earlier, so much of what I'm sharing applies not only to the marriage relationship, but to our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. There is a sense that when we join the body of Christ, we become one flesh in the sense that we are his body, and we should be completely humble and gentle. We should be patient, bearing with one another in love. We should make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When we're having conflict with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, instead of butting heads and raising our voices and fighting hard, we should turn shoulder to shoulder. As much as is possible, we should live at peace with all people. As much as is possible. We should be the peacemakers. So I hope that this has been an encouragement to those of you who are considering marriage, hoping for marriage, or are in a marriage where there's some issues going on where you realize just need some tools to help process through all of this. I'll say them again, just as an encouragement to you. Ephesians 4, 2 and 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I did a previous episode on making an effort. There are just a few places in the New Testament where we are told to make an effort to do something. One is in Hebrews chapter 4, to make every effort to enter into the Sabbath rest of God, which sounds a little contradictory, to make an effort to enter into a rest. And here we're told, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And the second thing is always turn shoulder to shoulder with your spouse. Refuse to butt heads. Refuse to battle against one another. Turn so that together you're marching forward into what God has for you. And in all of this, I pray that the Lord is glorified. Jesus said, People will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. 
we need to understand and remember our love for one another is a part of evangelism. When people look at Christians, and especially married couples, Christian married couples, and they see love, that is a testimony that Jesus is the Lord, that we follow the risen Messiah. People will know that you are a follower of Jesus by the way that you love one another. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all.